0: Welcome to Faith Foundations with Open the Word with Circle of Friends podcast. I'm your host, Gwen McCaslin, for this discipleship series. We are actually part two of wisdom literature Um the book of Psalms today. And I figured we started doing this at the end of the last one where I was talking about praying, um, scripture back to the Lord. Um, and I had actually used some beginning scriptures in Psalm 103. And so I thought it would be kind of good to drop into different places throughout Psalms for this episode and just, um, I don't know, walk in with a magnifying glass and kind of walk around a little bit in some places um, just so that if you're not familiar with the book of Psalms, you can uh, like have a couple of gems to go look for. Um, And so I like to do that to kind of one, give you some teasers that make you want to go explore for yourself because ultimately um, you can listen to this and it'll bless your socks off for 30 minutes or 20 or whatever. But if you don't do anything with this, you kind of lost one. It loses the heart that I have for the podcast that that we have with Circle of Friends. For this is and it's to inspire you to get in God's Word and to fall in love with it. That's ultimately what we want. Um, and and honestly, like how you're living your life right now, I'm, I'm going to look at you and I'm going to say that's not as important as whether or not you're in God's word and falling in love with it. Because I guarantee that if you fall in love with God's word, it will change you. You cannot come to Christ and fall in love with his word and, not, and walk away unchanged. You cannot. He does not leave us alone. From the moment we accept Him in our hearts and that Holy Spirit seals us, we are on a journey of becoming Christlike. We're on a journey of knowing the Lord more. We are on a, a journey to get to who he has created us to be and so we are it's it's called um sanctification and it's that's an old word but basically what it means is that we are on a process of becoming more and more christ-like um and so uh the idea is that uh, when we are living consistent with the covenant promise, and we've been in the Old Testament, and so one of the big themes of Psalm is living consistent a life that is consistent and faithful to God's covenant with his people. Well, that covenant doesn't go away. It's not dissolved um, in the new testament it's actually fulfilled in christ and then he gives us a new and living covenant that is in his blood that we are the body of christ that we are to be the reflection of who god is to the world we are just dis- to display one god's splendor but his love for the world we are to display his righteousness and his holiness by the lives we live we are called out to be separate in some ways. We walk in and among the world, but we are not to be of the world. We're not to look like it. We're not to sound like it. We are not to live like the world. We are to be salt and light in darkness and in, um, in a world that's lost flavor. We are to be salt Salt has effectiveness, and so we are, we are admonished through New Testament to not lose our flavor, to not lose our effectiveness. Um, you know, in one spot, be ready always to give an answer for the hope that is within you, um, you know, to, to be seasoned with salt. And it's this idea of living in such a way that when somebody asks for the reason, for the hope within us, we have an answer. We're connected enough with God and His Word that it's just inside of us and it comes out at the right moment through words that God has ordained. Because that's how God calls people to himself is through us, through our lives, through our example, through how we love others. Um, And so that's one of the ways he does. He also just pursues people like crazy. And if you're in the faith, you know. If you're in Christ, you know how he pursues. Or at least you should. You should understand how God pursued you. Um, because that's one of the beautiful things about grace is that, you know, we think sometimes that we chose God, and and then all of a sudden we look back and we go, but actually, God kind of came after me here, here, and here, and here, and he did this, and he put this person in my world. Wow, okay, so God was at work far before I realized it. That's what we like to call prevenient grace. It's grace that is before we realize what's going on, Um, and so, you know, Looking at some of the, these psalms is how we connect to God. Um, one of the ways that the book of Psalms is helpful in the life of a believer is to help us learn to pray, help us learn how to be real with God and learn to connect to God, um, to know what to do with our disappointment, with our disillusionment. A lot of believers right now are deconstructing their faith and walking away from God because he hasn't maybe given them the spouse they want or, you know, they're looking at their life and they're going, okay, what, why this, is this worth it? Um, and so they're relooking at their through a lens of just discouraged disillusion. And the thing is, if you don't seek the Lord through that doubt and that disillusionment, you'll end up far from Him. And how do you seek Him? You get yourself in the Word. And you diligently, diligently dig on a consistent way. You find a believer that you think loves the word. Um, and you, you put effort into seeking the Lord. There are so many verses that talk about, seek the Lord with all of your heart and he will be found of you. Um, I, you know, I, purpose, I specifically like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through 14. Because if you read past, they are in, they've been exiled. You don't get in a more disillusioned state than when you have been carted off, your temple's been destroyed, and you're stuck in a foreign country as a slave and a servant. And you're far away from home, and and you're wondering where are all God's covenant faithfulness now? Okay, and so they're in the middle of that land. They have no idea how long they're going to be. And they've just gotten done hearing God say through Jeremiah, build houses Plant fields, live, establish a life here. And then it says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Those plans were not their reality just yet. It wasn't. Some of them would never see that reality, that plan in their lifetime. That's something we miss as a context. There were hundreds and thousands of Jews displaced that died in exile. Now, that exile was because there had not been a community wide. Faithfulness to God's covenant. They had fallen away. He was their bridegroom, and they literally went and slept around with other gods. Um, so they were unfaithful to him in their hearts. Their hearts had turned away from him incrementally over and over with God sending people to bring them back. But the thing, you know, we walk through Judges, and one of the things you saw in Judges is God would raise up judgment from another nation, and there would be punishment. They would be defeated or brought captive, and then God would raise up a deliverer in that judge, and that judge would bring them back towards covenant faithfulness with the Lord, but they never quite made it as far back as where they used to be, and so there's this spiral of them getting further and further away from the Lord, lost in the world. Well, that's what we got today. (laughs) That's what we got. We've lost a lot of our faithfulness. Um, And I'll just give you some, if you look at those earlier podcasts, one of the things I talked about is the research. The research is telling us that millennials and down, you guys aren't in the word. You're relying on popular speakers or you're going to Bible studies and, and you're seeking out those resources first and you're not in God's word. This is where, and honestly, it's our fault. It's the older generation's fault. We didn't realize it. We didn't know what we were doing. We were trying to make it understandable. We were trying to package it to help connect with God. We didn't know that the off branch of it would be that we would get so used to, in the Christian church, going to these resources instead of being in the Word of God. We thought we were creating help, like things to do alongside God's Word. Um, And so one of the byproducts, unfortunately, has really impacted the millennial generation. And so for you guys, the biggest thing I want you to hear from me is that you need to taste and see that God is good. And the only way you're going to do that is getting in the word. Um, You need that solid word added to, um, adding to it with experience, yes. But you need the word of God in you. It is your foundation. It's your roots. It's what anchors you so that you don't get blown away. It's how you discern truth from the lie. Got to remember, the God of this world is a liar at his roots. He is the father of lies. And he loves to look just like the real thing. He loves to look just like the real thing. He's an angel of light. Um, and so one of the things you need to be on guard against is that he likes to look and sound just almost, almost truth with just a little bit of something in it. And and it's like I tell my son, do you want to drink a, a glass of water that is 99% clean, pure water with just a touch of cow turd in it. And, you know, obviously you don't want that. You don't want any of it. Well, here's the thing. If you're not in God's word, you are not equipped. You're not able to discern the difference. So you'll swallow anything that sounds close enough. And unfortunately we all will. And so this is my encouragement, my encouragement, please, with these Get in God's word, dig deep. Um, and don't go to commentaries to tell you what it is. Make observations, make lists. You know, with these Psalms, for example, what does it say about mankind? A person, you. Um, what's said of you? What does it say about God in this? What does it say about the evil one, about Satan, about wickedness? What does it say? Make a list of everything that's said in that passage. um, And hold on to some of those. Collect some of those. That's how you observe the text and really dig deep and connect with actually what's written within it. All right, so there was my little, (laughs) I don't know. I have these little random moments of just, um, I guess, just uh, edification. Edification is when you call somebody to come follow, to step out and do something different um, from where they're at. And so it kind of has this idea of, as we're going along, I'm, I'm asking people to come join me. Um, and so that's kind of my heart, is that, um, you know, the research says that most millennials are not in the word of God ever. Um, that very few, like maybe one-fifth, are in once a month. Now, that may not apply to you, and praise God if it doesn't, but it may be your friend. It may be, you know, the the young adults around you. Um, And so, you know, gather some people together and dive into some of these. You know, take a podcast and listen to a podcast and discuss it. Then open the book that we're in and, you know, dig a little deep with it. Um, My heart for these is that if you want to grow, these are great. If you have a friend that wants to grow and you don't know how to help them, calm down. You only need to be a half a step ahead. <laughs> I mean, you know. So get one of these and go together um, because the journey is so much more fun when you're going with friends. Um, I have my best friend from high school. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know that we would still be as tight of friends if we did not spiritually walk together through Bible study, through the word, through life anchored in God's word. Um, and so we started that right out of high school doing a study of Romans. It was my first ever Bible study. I'd never let a Bible study, but I told her, I said, well, we'll read it together and I guess we'll kind of try to figure it out as we go. Just look at what it says and try to figure it out. And, you know, I'll take everything that I've been taught over the years and I'll try to help it make sense. <laughs> and that was, that was my first time going with somebody in through the word. You got to start somewhere. And, some of you are going to be really nervous about that. Some of you are looking at me right now through this podcast listening, going, you've got to be crazy, not me. I am not, and you've got yourself disqualified. Here's what I want to say. God will take a willing heart. He will take any willing heart that, that comes his way. He's got lots for us to do right now. There is lots that need done in the body of Christ even, um, and there's lots that need done in your peer groups. Um, people need people who love God's word. You are surrounded with people who need the Jesus that you have. I heard somebody saying and it's so cliche, so hear past the cliche, okay? But if you had the solution for cancer, if you had the cure for cancer, wouldn't you share it? You do have the cure for cancer. You've got salvation, which is the cure for sin. I, there, if you get Jesus wrong, you get the whole thing wrong. There are so many people that get the whole thing wrong because they don't have the truth straight because they're not in the Word of God. So um, that said, let's dive in here a little bit to a couple of passages um, so that I'm actually doing what I said I was going to do. So for this first one, let's go to, um, how about Psalm 16? Uh, And we'll just kind of open up a little bit. I'm going to actually start in verse 5, I think. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance in my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen in pleasant places for me. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who counsels me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also dwell securely. Okay, I'm going to stop there for just a second because one of the things I would do reading this is to sit there and go, okay, Lord, there's this little thing that like implies inheritance and property lines and stuff like that. I probably need to check out Hebrew inheritance and property type things to fully maybe understand what that's talking about. Um, You know, I might just want to do that. So that might be something I would do to kind of check out context, right? Um, And then the other thing I might do is, okay, well, the Lord is the portion of my inheritance. Okay, well, what might it mean that God is my portion? Um, That lines have fallen in pleasant places, that my heritage is beautiful. You know, and and you can sit with that and just kind of chew. You can look up things like um, heritage or portion and maybe find some other verses where God, through the Psalms, they're talking about the Lord as a portion, Um, things like that. Uh, Verse seven, for example, um, I will bless the Lord who's counseled me, You know, sometimes when you sit there and go, Lord, I don't feel like you've talked to me or really led me because I had a season in life where I didn't feel like I knew what that meant or what that felt like. Um, And so, you know, how I would do that with this is I would say, Lord, your word says you counsel me. I'm in a situation where I desperately need your counsel and your guidance. Show me what that looks like. I'm going to watch for you. I'm going to watch for you to show up. I'm going to watch for you to just kind of speak within me. Um, Would you show me what it feels like to hear you? Uh, And so that might be my prayer every night, that I'm just keeping that before the Lord. I'm asking that of him. Um, You know, the verse here says, he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. You know what, Lord? I need to remember that you are at my right hand. Uh, the right hand would have been a position of power. You know, there's one of those cultural pieces to know. So the idea that God is at our right is just, it's a position of protection and support. Um, the, the fact that his presence uh, is continually with us. Um, let's see here. What else does it say? I will not be shaken. My heart is glad and it rejoices. My, um, my flesh will also dwell securely. And then it goes on and it says, You will not abandon my soul to Sheol. You will make known the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. In your hand there is pleasures forever. Now, with this one, I might go back and go, I wonder who wrote this. Well, if I go back, I look, and there's this little note that's been included. Um, it's, it's a, a, something from David. David is the one who authored this. Okay, so it's focusing on God um, as the deliverer. Okay, so what do we know about David's life? We don't specifically know what phase this was written in, but he did a lot of hiding. He had a lot of years of insecurity. Um, my son has some wonderful curriculum at the Christian school, and he came home, and we were talking about David when I was recording those books. And he looked at me, and he goes, Mom, did you realize that he was anointed king? But it was like 20 years before he got to actually be the king. And I went, huh, I didn't I didn't realize that. You know, but during those 20 years, he had javelins thrown at him by the, the king that he was replacing, that he was anointed to replace. Um, he was running for his life from that man for the, all of those years, large chunks of that. And then when when Saul, that man, had died, um, you know, there was still half the country that was loyal to him. And so it took a while for all of that to come around and follow him naturally. Um, and so... You know, I have to chuckle at the the one verse where David, like, all of a sudden realizes that the kingdom's united behind him. And, and it's like, wow, I'm actually the king. huh? You know, and, and for this little shepherd boy who's grown up, his roots are he's a shepherd. He sits in a field with sheep and he watches for lions and wolves and things like that. And so all of a sudden he is leading that God has united an entire kingdom behind him and put him in a position of leadership. Um, And so, you know, I look at some of those things and it's so rich to know the history of where things come from um, and to look at what might be going on in David that he would take comfort and say these kinds of things back to the Lord. Um, And so when I'm in a moment where I'm feeling insecure and I'm shaken, which... I mean, who in the last two years hasn't felt that a time or two? You know, to just go, here is something I can take and dwell my thoughts on. Now, the counselor in me wants to point out that when we take a verse like this and we actually divert our thoughts to it, we are changing brain chemistry. We are changing the wiring in our brain. Um, I don't know how many of you guys know this, but like certain thoughts... Send off um, literal, literal electric pulses along neural pathways in certain directions, um, and so one thought begets another thought, which begets another one, which brings up m- certain emotions along that path. Sometimes we have patterns in our thinking that become so hardwired that it's really hard to break where those thoughts go. And one of the things we do is we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and we replace it with truth. And and the Psalms are a beautiful place to go for examples of this, because you will see David say one thing and then, but... God and then he'll start focusing on something completely different and it's like he starts in in the the horrid of whatever life looks like and the downcastness of his soul. And but he puts his hope in God. And then he's off on a different trajectory completely because he's focusing on God's promises, on God's character, which changes not, on how God postures towards his people, which is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, and, you know, sometimes I think reading the Old Testament, we don't see God's love and kindness. We, we get it in our heads that it's all about God's judgment. Well, here's the thing. God never gets to the judgment without a lot of loving kindness and mercy moments that are being offered to his people. He never, I think I can consistently say this, that he doesn't punish without lots of warnings and lots of basically beckoning people to come back. Um, and, and to, to restore their hearts before him. So you can't take the judgment of the Old Testament out of its context. Its context is love and mercy and a God who is constantly um, with his people's sin in front of him accepting a sacrifice that will mirror what Jesus is eventually going to do on the cross. I mean, he, he literally is accepting an animal sacrifice when he knows that the final full payment will be made by his, his own son on that cross. And so you you got to understand, he's, he's dealing with all of that. He's holding back his anger. Um, and so when you get to Revelations, Revelations is where that anger is finally released And it's let loose. Um, And the sons of disobedience on the earth dwellers who continually shake their fist at God. And we, um, in one study I'm doing uh, with precepts, we've walked through, uh, there's the seals that are broken. And then when you get to the seventh seal, there's seven trumpets within that. And when those trumpet judgments are done, then the seventh one opens up the bowls of God's wrath being poured out. And in the process of, of of going through that and completing a chart, you realize that there's all of these moments where it talks about the men on earth, just recognizing God. At one point, they hide from Him. Um, they beg the mountains to fall on them so that they can escape this God that they just don't want to reconcile with. And then there's all of these moments when they harden their hearts and they refuse to repent. Um, and so you can see it over and over. But even in Revelation, even in the midst of God releasing his wrath, there are boundaries over and over and over again where something's held back, somebody waits, and they're waiting. What are they waiting on? They're waiting to give people space to repent. Um, and so you see all of these moments where God's judgment It's allowed in so much, and then there's this boundary. So, like, on some of these, you know, um, a third of the earth, but no more. You know, a third of the rivers turn to blood, but no more. Like, there's so there's boundaries. There's hard and fast boundaries around every single living, every single thing that happens. And then you get to the end, and it is finished. God's wrath is finished at the end of the last bowl. Um, And so... I think it's good for us to know that even in God's wrath, there is limit to it. there's boundaries to it um you know i I did just a couple of podcasts ago we did the story of job and and it, it it's like a play, but it's not it's and so it describes these scenes where um Satan's allowed to come before the throne and and when he does so, you know he's he's um he ends up with limits on he can only do so much in his his being given permission to afflict in certain places he's he's has to stay within the boundaries and so he knows he knows his doom is short he knows his time's running out he knows he can only do certain things to a certain extent so much and and so keeping all of that in mind like That is God's mercy. He doesn't give it free reign. He doesn't give Satan free reign. There are boundaries that constantly dwell around anything evil, anything. Now, some of us have walked through lives where it feels like the boundaries have been released and and evil's just been allowed to devastate. What I want to tell you in that is that God walks with you through what you've had to live and deal with and what you walk out of that with. And there is no limit to what he can redeem and the beauty that he can bring out of ashes, literally. Um, And so if you've been through stuff and story, understand that he is a safe place for you or maybe you've never had one. Um, And he is a protector and the lover of your soul. And sometimes we have stories in life that does not allow us to fully understand or connect with that. And my encouragement would be, don't run from that. Sit in the dissonance of that and ask the Lord to meet you. There is nothing that he does not have an answer or a way to walk through with you. Um, and he doesn't do it all at once. So understand that sometimes we come to life with so many years of devastation where people that we were entrusted to misused and abused what they were given. The beautiful gift of you. They, they did not treat that with honor and respect and with gentleness and love. They abused it. And when the Lord sees them face to face, they will answer. For every way that they defiled what was entrusted to them. And I don't quite understand that on that level. I don't. But I do know that he's a God of justice and that in this side of earth we may not see it, but he'll take care of that. So understand that God's heart... How do I put that? That when God sees what's happened to you, he is angry for you on your behalf. When you're struggling with the choices you've made, understand that he's looking at you with compassion, but also accountability. When we've been entrusted with with people and things and situations that are precious, we answer to a living God for what we do with that um hmm, sorry this is such a somber note to end today on but put it this way i i just want to bring you guys back to pressing into the dissonance and asking the lord to meet you there and walk you through it he is faithful and he will never leave you alone he does not leave you nor forsake you he loves you and you are precious to him. Um, I'm going to leave us with that today. Um, but my encouragement would be whatever you're going through, go jump in Psalms and, and look around in there until you find something that reflects what's going on in your heart. Um, and look and see if it doesn't have a way to kind of seek the Lord out um, with that situation. Because honestly, that is one of the most beautiful things about Psalms um, is that there, there is a way to connect with God in every single emotion that we have. Um, And so I love Psalms for that because it, it definitely gives us a wide variety. All right, that's all I got for today. God bless. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to open the word at gmail.com to transitional design. Then, meander through the gardens for a large selection of house plants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed. Step back in time with a stay at one of the oldest buildings in historic Berlin, Ohio, the Worthman House. This charming building has a rich history with origins dating back to as early as the mid-1800s. The newly restored two-bedroom, one-bathroom suite has hardwood floors and gorgeous chestnut trim throughout. It is also outfitted with locally made Amish furniture. It can sleep 6 and offers a beautiful panoramic view of Berlin's Main Street. Its location in the heart of Berlin is an ideal spot for walking to various restaurants and shops. Book your stay at the Worthman House through VRBO.